Hey guys, welcome to the Begging Boardcast, episode number 476. I am Chris. I'm John. And I'm Paul. I was taking a sip of beer. Instead of introducing us as a weekly podcast that comes to you in three ways. The first being uh, The Week in Geek, bringing you the top geek stories of the past week. Next is the list of comic books that we are looking forward to coming out April 6, 2022. Then we follow that up with our weekly rotating main topic. And this week we're bringing you the 22nd edition of our great Marvel movie retrospective, where we're going to be discussing Avengers Endgame. Hmm. Mm. Nice. Nice. Yeah, you know what? I, I I feel like this movie just came out. It kind of did. 2019. It's, cra- it's crazy that we're already to this point. But yeah, you know, we'll talk about that. It was one of the last movies that came out. Ever. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No. We had more movies after that. Yeah, Sonic the Hedgehog. Uh, <laughs> but we... I have to say, like, we really cranked through these movies during the pandemic. Like, we were recording on a really regular basis, so we were, like, I think every couple episodes we're doing a retrospective. I think just with how things work between doing the retrospective, the trading policy, the look back, and then just, like, anything else, we usually have, like, one a month. So, that's not too bad. I mean, this is two years of content, so. Then we get one one filler episode, you know, for the fourth week of the month, and then uh, that fifth week we just we we, we don't bar, we don't do anything. Yeah, we do bar trivia that night. Uh, Some, I don't know. Sometimes stuff's just filler, and sometimes you know you just need a little bit something to get you through until the next big thing. Yeah, sometimes uh, you have to just uh, take it easy and go low cal or low alcohol ABV, and that's what I'm doing. I'm going with a high low. This is from Cigar City Brewery. This is their High Lie IPA, but made low, uh, low ABV. This is only four percent, and um, you can definitely taste that it's not as a much of a big boy. It's it's uh, a little flat for me. It's not flat as in bubbles, but just the flavor profile. It's not 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 horrible, not great. It's I think it packs more flavor than. The, uh, the the pinnacle of all these uh, all day IPA, but again price point. So also when you buy a variety pack, it's kind of nice to have a low cal op- or low ABV option in the variety pack because you're like, eh, what do I want to drink? I don't really want to drink drink, but I could use a drink. So it's been nice to uh, be able to grab. So yeah, high low cigar city. Chum, uh, I'm. Oh. Chris, go ahead. Yeah, you, you took a sip before. In. That's right. Because yeah. uh, I'm also drinking a low-cal IPA. And this is from Bell's Brewing. Uh, and this is their light-hearted ale. So this is the low-cal version of their signature uh, two-hearted IPA. Uh, this one, only 3.7% ABV. Uh, and they just call it out like 110 calories. So that actually got me thinking, mm. how many calories come in a... Founders All Day IPA. So I'm actually Googling I think it's one, 125. I think we've, yeah, had, we've, this we've had this discussion because I'm like, one, 20 calories 147. Whoa, yes. no wonder I gained so See? much weight. See, that's why I wanted to look it up. Um, but honestly, for just that difference of like 37 calories, I would rather have an All Day yeah. IPA. And there's nothing wrong with this. It's just a low-cal version of a 
better beer. And at that point, it's like, I would just rather have the, the better beer. Um, well, how many calories are in uh, Bell's Two-Hearted? Uh, I'm actually looking that up now. Wow, you guys, we're clicking. Oh, remember last time we recorded, uh, we are all just like, Bleh. And I was just pulling teeth trying to get, talk about anything, and nothing was working. Uh, so Two-Hearted has, I mean, Two-Hearted the calories. Uh, that one's 212 calories per, okay. per bottle. So, okay. again, almost, uh, almost double. But... Same thing. I would just rather have the two-hearted or a Founders all day, which is a little bit higher ABV. You know, that one's like four point two. Um, I don't know. This isn't bad. I'm not mad. Like mad. This came in the sampler pack that I got, which was the the box of hearts. Because um, there are some beers in there that I am looking forward to having. This is just going to be something that sits on the bottom shelf, like for after I get home from like walking around a theme park or something, and it's like, oh, I want to drink something cold. Oh, I forgot to refill the water jug that I keep in the fridge. Oh, I can just pound one of these. Yeah. And this, like, those low-cal IPA beers, they're not, they're not session beer. Like, they are session beers, but they're not, they weren't selling themselves as session mm-hmm. beers. They're, they're selling themselves as somebody who's wants to drink a light beer, but have some flavor to it. This is their... Their option. These all came out in the last couple of years. Um, everybody kind of like all the bigger breweries released them. Lagunitas, Dogfish Head. They all had these low cal session IPAs. So I've had a couple of them. I don't think I've had either of the ones that you've had. You guys have had, but like most of the time, I was like, yeah, these are okay. They don't taste. They're not something I would choose to drink mm-hmm. or choose to buy because I, I don't care about the cal- – like, if I'm going to have a beer, I don't care, care about the calories. How about the yeah. Rec League? Or was that not low-cal? That was just low ABV from Harpoon? Those, yeah, those were low ABV, okay. I believe. See, when I hear low but, ABV, since, ca- since alcohol carries so many calories per gram – that I think if you're getting a low ABV beer, you're getting a low calorie beer, or maybe that's just uh, what they call it—the halo effect. You know, where you just think it's healthier just because it's a you know because it has one health healthy tag on it, so you think it's overall healthier for you, even though it isn't. Yeah, is that is yeah. that true, hey, John? Am I completely off base? Do lower ABV beers come in lower calorie normally, or I don't okay. know. That's not something I've. He, he doesn't. Really... He doesn't care about that. But <laughs> I, I don't, don't care about that stuff. I'm the same way uh, though. I don't as, care about as that. a heavy set man. I don't care. <laughs> I don't care about the calories either. It's just right. I would rather have a bigger, more flavorful beer, and that's something that Founders All Day IPA has. And it's not many more calories. It's not much more like alcohol by volume. So that would that would be the go to. No. Yeah, and uh, I'm drinking from Community Beer Works, local Buffalo brewery. Their Saturday morning cartoons. This is an Australian style pale ale, and this is brewed with a Pilsner malt base to showcase the intense character in the galaxy Sabro and Mosaic hops. 
The flavors and the aromas of passion fruit, mango, berry blend to perceive candy-like sweetness in the finish, reminiscent of the best part of your morning bowl of cereal. And it does seem like they're really trying to go after that, oh, it tastes like, it tastes like your, under your bowl of cereal. And it tastes like a nice pale ale. I don't get, I don't get that. There's a little oaty, dry your mouth out. The mango, passion fruit, I don't really get those. It's a nice pal, though. It's a nice drinking beer. I was like, oh, you know, I got three low ABV beers that are all 16 ounces. Do I need to finish this before I open the next one? And I'm like, I, I'm not really that worried. I'm almost done with this one. So it's like, ah, I'll, I'll just keep enjoying it because it's a nice drinking beer, but... This what they were what they said they're going after. I don't think comes through. If yeah, if I were to pick up that can, I would expect to you know turn it around and in the ingredients list see like lactose in there because you mentioned like cereal milk, yeah. biscuit malts, uh, you know actually being uh, aged with the fruits or something like that. I don't uh, a color changing spoon, you know, like that that kind yeah. of stuff. Yeah. I got gypped, but it's a nice drinking beer. If it just said Australian-style pale ale, we used Australian hops in this beer and made it as the Australians make their pale ales, I'd go, okay, yeah, this is nice. But I don't get the finished, your bowl of cereal milk essence in this. What? What a waste all around, guys. Hopefully our next beers are better. Uh, and man, what a waste of a news segment, too, because this week for The Week in Geek, we don't really have too much to talk about. The biggest news actually just kind of made official today. Uh, superstar blockbuster action movie icon Bruce Willis is retiring from acting. Uh He's in a lot of really fun movies yeah. from when I was growing up, but as of recently, he hasn't done anything that I've seen. Um, I mean, it's sad he is retiring due to health reasons. Um, he has developed a, a disorder that makes it hard for him to basically communicate, mm. So, which is very important for an actor. Um, uh, it's called aphasia, so he is stepping out of the spotlight. This is something that has been talked about before. Um, his daughter, Rumor, actually came out a little while ago and was just talking about some of the difficulties he's had with acting, and that's why he's kind of getting a little bit gruffer with age, um, just how hard it is for him to understand people. And at the time, everyone was kind of assuming it was just like, well, he's been in a lot of action movies, explosions, like he's probably just... Yeah, hard of hearing. You know, yeah. Hard of hearing. Like it's, it happens. Uh, no, it turns out it's a little bit more serious than that, but he always has the option to keep making money by licensing his face out for digital deep fake technology, which he has already done oh. for a Russian cell phone company. They put him in a series of commercials using deep fake technology. Hmm. Interesting. It is. It was something I wanted to make sure I had heard of properly before, so I googled it when we were getting set up, and yes, I did hear it properly. So, you know, there's still a possibility for a career out there. 
for him, even though he is actively no longer working. So he was never in a Lucasfilm film, right? Like no, okay, well, no, that's too bad. I don't, I don't think so, unless they produced some. Just they produced something weird, this man. No. Because Lucasfilm loves putting their the actors that aren't actually in the movie in the, their movies, you know. So that's too bad. I, I'm trying to think of what my favorite Bruce Willis movie is, and is it The Fifth Element? I, I'm i horrible say, at knowing these things, and I should probably Fifth just Element, go to IMDb. Fifth Element, Die Hard, or mm. Armageddon? Like, I don't think I've ever seen Armageddon. Really? I've just seen the... The music video because it was played on TL. Well, then you've then you've seen okay. you've seen the movie. Armageddon. Oh. I I, don't, I there's there's several that I do really like. Um, I'm trying to think of uh, Moonrise Kingdom. I, I liked him in that. Oh, I forgot he was in that one. Yeah. Um, what is I'm trying to think of that. Can I mean, think six, of the Sixth Sense, Unbreakable. Um. I'm just trying to load up IMDb now. Yep. Um, the whole the whole nine yards and ten yards. Oh, he was those. in those. Those were those were fun. I I saw the first one. I don't think I ever saw the second one. I really liked him in Bandits. He was with um, Kate Blanchett before she was Kate Blanchett and um, uh, Billy Bob Thornton in that Expendables. Um, Red, oh, Red. Red was okay. Red too. Yeah, you loved you loved Red. <laughs> well, because it has that one girl in it. Twelve Monkeys. Looper. Twelve Monkeys was good. Looper was good. Um, where is the movie? Death becomes her with Goldie Hawn and um, uh, Meryl Streep. That's a good. It's a Robert Zemeckis movie. Ugh. That's a good movie. I enjoyed that one. Because he plays such a soup, like a schlub. And Hudson Hawk. Hudson Hawk is such a great, bad movie. It's got just this... He oozes charisma in that movie. And it it's not good, but I love watching that movie. I, watch, I watched that probably, like, maybe five months ago. Yeah, I, That's it. I have nothing else to say. Scrolling through his IMDb, I forgot he was in the one Grindhouse trailer. Oh, yeah. The Planet yeah, Terror was... one. Yeah. Um, yeah, he played the bad army captain in the zombie one, yeah. yeah. So, it's, you know, sad to see him go, but also I haven't seen any of the stuff he's been in recently outside of the CG deepfake Russian mobile company commercial I watched just to make sure... And that the die, the diehard battery commercial, right? Everybody saw that. I remember he him being John. He, I, John I don't McClain. know if I've ever seen that. Oh, I remember him being in the boxing commercials for Lipton Brisk Ice Tea. Ooh, was that that's really brisk. him, or was that that was the claymation? Yeah, that's the claymation yeah. stuff. Yeah, I don't think that was actually. I don't. I don't think that was him. What? Okay, he's done everything else. Except that's where he draws the line? He's in the deep clay face fake. Ooh. He he was Bruce Willis in, like, Man About You. Are you saying that he wouldn't be Bruce Willis in the Lipton Ice commercial or Lipton Brisk 
commercial? Iced tea? Whatever it is? Uh, I mean, probably. I don't know, because they could just get anybody to do... Yeah, I guess. I guess they're taking, taking stuff away from me. It's okay. So... Uh, I believe the only person that actually voiced their character in the brisk iced tea commercials was Sylvester Stallone. Oh. Wow. <laughs> it, thank, I mean, thank God you're here, Paul, because I never would have remembered <laughs> the claymation brisk iced tea great. commercials. So good. I don't know about that statement, but... <laughs> They were, they were definitely... Reminded me of the California Raisins. It was good. See, you count that as a good thing. Okay, interesting, okay. interesting, interesting. <laughs> Any, anyways, does anyone have another beer that they want to get into yet? I think we still have another ten minutes of talking about this, like you said. I, I, don't, think, I don't think I do. I really don't think I <laughs> we, do. We, okay, did we go over everything? Good. And I'm having another beer from Community Beer Works, and this is actually... A collaboration with Hydraulic Hearth, Hearth, which is a restaurant that the people who own Community Beer Works had some connection to, that they made beers for them, and then they started making their own beers and became a brew pub. Um, but this is their Dreisen German Pilsner beer. And... Um, yeah, this is just a really nice, um, a really nice German Pilsner. Uh, we had this. My wife and I went to a five course beer dinner at Community Beer Works, and this was the first beer that they gave us as part of that to go with pretzels and breads as our like first course. And I was like, man, I really like this. I'm gonna pick up a four pack of this. And um, they gave me a can of it, so I uh, didn't have to buy it. So uh, I enjoy it. It's that perfect dry your mouth out, eating pretzels, having a sausage, uh, sauerkraut, and, you know, German potato salad. Like, perfect for those foods. Hmm. Uh, I, too, am drinking a pills, and this is actually coming from another local... Orlando Brewery uh, from Dead Lizard Brewing. This is their dry hopped Palawan Pilsner. And on the can, they have a lizard dressed up as a Jedi on a desert planet. Uh, I looked it up just now because I wasn't sure, but a Palawan is a island uh, water monitor type lizard. So it's keeping with their oh. naming convention where all of their beers have different lizards in their names. Um, this is a delicious Pilsner. I actually stopped by there because I saw that they had a couple new beers on tap that they had just made. Um, I got the four-pack of this just to bring home, but while I was there, I also had two of their other beers. And as much as I'm enjoying this, um, it's very nice light. It's got like a nice little like citrus bite to it, too, that I wasn't expecting, which makes it very refreshing. Uh, but the night that I was there, they actually had a German cake stout that was knockout. Um, it was like one of the, like the middle beers that I had. And when I was finishing up paying my tab, I just like was talking to the bartender just about everything. And, and like, I pointed to my glass. I was like, that's stout. Like 
amazing. And he said literally one day he just walked into work and the guy who owns the the brewery was just back there and he's like, hey, what's your favorite dessert? So the bartender was like, oh, I love German cake. And then like a couple weeks later he went into work and he walked in and he's like, oh my gosh, it smells amazing in here. Like, what is that? And then the brewer was like, oh, that that's your German cake stout. <laughs> uh, and it, it, it worked. Like, it was, that was a knockout. So... I'm glad they are trying some different stuff because previously, I don't know if it was on the show, if it was just in between us as our friend talk, I said I really do appreciate Dead Lizard. It's super close to me. It's a family-owned place. Like I want to support them. It's just not high on my list of places to go because they always have the same beers untapped and like ready to go. I was excited to see new stuff from them, and I'm happy the new stuff is good. Like m- More variation, please. Love it. I enjoy when we first went there because I think we went down and we were like, oh, let's let's try to find some local Orlando breweries. And we found that and we left from Chris's apartment and we got there and Chris is like, this is really, this is really close to where I live. Yeah. And we're like, oh, that's great. And it was uh, it was great there. We loved the vibe. We enjoyed sitting at the bar and drinking and We'd gone back a couple times, and I just remember that one time we sat outside. It's a beautiful Florida night. We sat outside. I think they had, like, tiki torches mm-hmm. up or something. And um, we just sat outside forever, just just BSing as friends and, and drinking with our... Yeah. I think Caitlin was there, and Le- maybe Lexi was there? I think so, but yeah. It was, just a, it was just a fun... It was just a fun night, and, like, to have those... Have those fun experiences and something like you bring up Dead Lizard and those are the two things that pop into my head is sitting outside yeah. and then at night. So, Paul, what's your next oh, beer? I'm sorry. Uh, I am drinking the Pineapple Tangerine High Lie. And this is uh, an Indian Pale Ale brewed with pineapple and tangerine from Cigar City Brewery. Uh, this has a nice big tangerine pop up front. It then finishes nicely with a tart pineapple. It's a really big flavor. It's overcoming uh, a little bit of a cold that I think I'm developing. Or it's just the sinuses playing with me because the weather has been either 60 degrees or negative 10 degrees here in Buffalo. Depending on which day of the week it is, it's just been nuts. Tomorrow it's going to be high uh, 60s to 70s. Yeah, 60s to 70s. I was outside earlier this morning and it was hailing and like below freezing so it's paul in the morning because i know you get up early like i do uh take a look outside if it's not cloudy we should be able to see the northern lights uh yeah well people see the northern lights every time that i walk out because pants dip so low oh Oh, that's the northern (laughs) exposure what is that that's the moon no is that just the moon i don't know is that just the moon? <laughs> just mooning people? Is that, is that, is that is about, Paul, so is this the winner? Because I also saw this highlight pack when I went to my beer store, but I had asked what everybody was drinking in the lead up to the show just so I could buy some other beers that match. And then when John said he had a pills, a pale, and then a cold IPA, I was like, okay, let me try to find a cold IPA. So I literally just like searched cold IPAs at my beer store and I found the box of hearts but on my way looking for it i saw yeah. the highlight pack and i was like "Ooh, that sounds good and if they didn't have the two-hearted pack i i would have grabbed that one 
Without even knowing that you you had already picked it up. Last week, I was looking for the Bear Hug, the Goose Island Variety Pack. That's what I was looking for. Didn't realize that's what it was going to be called, the Bear Hug. Maybe John mentioned it, and I just forgot. We do drink quite a bit on the show. Um, And so I'm at the store looking for that variety pack, and I come across the highlight pack, and I'm like, pick it up, because I'm like, well, this will be good if I can't find it. Find the Goose Island pack, and now I have two packs in my hand, and I'm like, I could put the highlight back, <laughs> but I'm not gonna, because then I have beer for the following episode. <laughs> so yeah. Sometimes it's good to plan ahead. I've yeah. done that before. Yeah, so I'm like, all right, good. Saves me a trip to the store. <laughs> exactly. So I'm like, hey. So I bought them both. Yeah, I, I'm really, this is definitely the, uh, my favorite beer of this variety pack. The other one in it is, of course, the uh, regular highlight, which is good, but you get three. So the one thing I have to say about these variety packs is I think now that I've had, what, four or five of them, these different ones, we New Belgium, the uh, 2X, the Goose Island, the, and then this one, so four, uh, I'd rather get four of three different types of beers than three of four different types of beers, I think. You should get the um, Mind Haze variety pack from Firestone that I had on here. I enjoyed, I believe I enjoyed all those beers, uh, but it is a, it's three different, three different beers. So you get four, four beers of each. All right. Hmm. 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 But, Paul, uh, what book are you looking oh, forward to buying? Guys, uh, there's we, we're talking about a movie that's on Disney Plus uh, coming up. You know, our main topic. But there's another movie on D- Disney Plus. Probably one of the greatest superhero movies ever to be made. That are we going to talk about Cheaper by the Dozen again? <laughs> yes. Because having to uh, run a household of 12 kids. No. Uh, the Rocketeer. The Great Race, number one from IDW. The Rocketeer being a great movie all about Sam's uh, Cliff Secord, a, a ace stunt pilot just trying to get by during the Great Depression as Nazism storms across the globe. And, you know, then he fights Nazis. And that's what you, we all should be doing. We should all fight Nazis. So, uh, yeah, this is a coming off, I'm guessing, another miniseries from IDW that I we might have read the first issue of and then didn't go back to. But uh, Cliff Secord is going to dr- uh, join the Great Race, which is a race from California to France by flying alone. So very exciting to see that. And he, he thinks that it's going to be great because he can take his best girl, Betsy, to Paris wow. all while doing that and win some prize money. So Two birds, one stone. Yeah. And Two people, one jetpack. Exactly. Well, I think maybe he's actually flying it like a stunt plane, and he just has the jetpack in the back just in case. Oh, well, he's going to have to do some Rocketeer oh, yeah. stuff. He's got to do That's in the title. It's the Rocketeer. Uh, Chris, what are you looking uh, forward to? It's a little bit of a light week for comic books for me, so I try to stay away from picking like my standbys for this, but there's nothing new coming out that I'm like, oh man, let, let me pick this one because I double checked and I'm like, no, nothing brand new. So I'm just going back to my uh, standard pull list with Magic the Gathering number 13 coming out from Boom Studios, uh, written by Jed McKay, art by Iguara. Uh, this is continuing the story of some of the Planeswalkers in Magic the Gathering. Uh, this current arc is focusing on Chandra Nalar, 
uh, Garrick the Huntsman, and then a newer planeswalker, Nico Eris, as they're trying to find a way to planeswalk to the world of Ravnica, which for some reason has been blocked to them. Um, I love me some Magic the Gathering. I love me some comics. So this is just a quick, easy pick for me. Um, I've consistently enjoyed picking up this book and getting to know these characters whose cards I like to throw around, whether on a table or a digital table. John, what you got? Uh, I'm looking forward to West of Sundown, number one. And this is uh, the story of a beautiful ancient vampire who flees monster hunters in New York City to reclaim her ancestral soil to restore her undead flesh and goes back to New Mexico, where her ex-Confederate assistant and her are going to have to rough it in a frontier town. Uh, this is written by Tim Seeley, art by Aaron Campbell, and um, it sounded cool. It is a really cool-looking cover. It, uh, it sounds like American Vampire in a way. Oh, it totally does. It's like American Vampire meets Six Gun. And I, I was like, okay, yeah, I think let's, it's let's see what this has got. I didn't look at the description for it. When I saw the cover for it, I clicked on it, and then I read like the first line. I was like, oh, this is definitely a John book. Um, I think it's the fact that it's like an ex-Confederate, like Civil War-type soldier. is like, oh, yeah, it's like Skinner Sweet. No, I generally like Tim Seeley stuff. He's become a little bit more hit or miss for me over the years, but uh, I don't know. Yeah. But bring this on because I did not like Robbins at all, but I I still always have a soft spot in my heart for uh, Hack and Slash. And and that's the thing is like, there's lots of writers out there, and, and we've talked about them a lot on this show that we like a lot of their stuff, but they have clunkers. That Robin book was crazy how bad it was. And um, but it's like oh you say Tim Seeley and I will normally go oh, yeah that's a good he's a good writer yeah you know just, I just pulled him up he had a long uh, run on Catwoman right at, yeah Afterlife with Archie uh, he's done a bunch of Army of Darkness books he did Hack and Slash uh, Batman Eternal a bunch of other Batman books um, yeah he's he's written more stuff that I've liked than I've disliked so you know I'm not I'm not writing him off no. Um, yeah, and and this is definitely, I'm going to read it first, and if it's worth talking about for the look back, we can talk about maybe doing it if we don't have other books, but it's definitely something that'll probably go on my list of, of maybes. Nice. And you, but, you know what else is on our list? A dramatic reading. Did you talk about your book, Chris? Yeah, I did. I literally talked about it after Paul did his, and then I finished it and I threw it over to you. Oh, that's right. It was out. You said it was a magic book, and I totally yeah. was like, oh, mm. threw that, put that out of my head because I, I didn't care for that series. You just want to concede. It's okay. Things happen. <laughs> and but now, a dramatic reading from Sideways, number one, page 20, panel three. Uh. Okay, that doesn't sound like anyone I'm anxious to meet. Time to move on. Nothing to see here. 
That's a dramatic reading. From Sideways, number one, page 20, panel three. Was that all one character? You know how I could probably tell if I go onto our Instagram. Right? And then- that, that is how you could tell. And you could see the panel from a book that I forgot I bought and a book I forgot came out like four years ago. Who who did the art on that? Uh, that was, oh, what's his name? He Starts did, with an R, right? He did the um, the Red Hood and Outlaws book. Yeah. I'm blanking on it. Uh, Rock, Rockefort. Yeah, well, Kenneth Rockefort. Kind of, yeah. 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 I, could, you I got, could tell. You got me there. Yeah, yeah. It's it's very much in his style. And even, like, the rest of the pages, like, when you see, like, his panel layout, like, you're like, oh, yeah. That's him, baby. That's him. That's him. That's him, baby. You know uh, who that... I got no segue to the main topic here, uh, which is us talking about Avengers Endgame, guys. This is it. This is... What the great Marvel movie retrospective has been building up to. Yeah, this oh. is... Uh, 22 parts end, of it. The end game, I guess? Uh, because it's... Watching this movie again, it was such a like bittersweet thing because this movie does still set stuff up, but it's more the culmination of everything that came before. Like, the previous 21 movies we watched, mm-hmm. everything in one way or another does come back into this movie. Yeah. One of the things that we usually talk about is just like, oh, the characters that are appearing in it, actors that are coming back. It's it's literally everyone. Yeah. They're it's- all here. Uh, and the fact that they found a way to get everybody to come back in, much like they did with Infinity War two retrospectives ago. <sighs> But still have everyone and more stand in this movie side by side. Everybody gets a moment. Everybody gets to interact with someone that they haven't interacted with before. So you get to see mm-hmm. some like, weird character mashups that are really fun. It still has great action. There's comedy. There's character moments in it. It's it's the ultimate Marvel movie. Yeah. Um, it definitely brings everything, like, they could end here and reboot the entire Marvel movie world, and you, I think everyone would just be like, okay, that's fine. Maybe the actors who are in these movies maybe want to continue to do movies, and they are, but it was just like, yeah, this is... This could be the end of all of these movies, and I think you'd be fine with it. I think the things that we've gotten after this have all been um, a little more hit or miss. Um, I've enjoyed all all of them except for Eternals, but this definitely – it definitely has like – it's, it, it's emotion. It's emotional move. It's an emotional movie, and definitely in that last battle scene, you get a lot of those things. And up front, it's kind of like a lot of fun, funny, hijinky kind of thing. Yeah, and then you get heist. to the yeah. it's a time heist. Uh, you get to the end, and it and that's where all the tear jerker yeah. moments are. And um, 
Oh, go ahead. I'm sorry. Oh, no, you made a eh noise. Oh, well, because, you know, uh, you got the fun hijinky stuff, and then literally the bomb drops. They drop the bomb. Yeah, <laughs> they drop the bomb. Um, and then it just it just becomes, there's I, little things. Like, when Cap gets, when Cap picks up that hammer, like, the the hairs on my arm stand up. Even now, like, watching it again today, the, the hairs on my arm st- stick up. I get that little chill. I get a little, like, wet behind the eyes, and I'm just like, that's a good one. Same thing with on your left. Mm-hmm. When everybody starts walking through those things, when Spidey lands and he's like, oh, man, last thing I remember is uh, you were there, and I turned into dust, and then I woke up, and you weren't there, and Dr. Shane said it was five years, and then he <laughs> gets like, that. Okay, we gotta go. <laughs> and, he, and he gets that big... He gets that big hug, and you're just like, again, it's like, oh, this, the waterworks are about to turn on. And he goes, oh, this is nice. Like, yeah. you know. Uh, and you just have all these, like, these just perpetual moments. And it's all the characters having having a closure with all of those characters as things are going to, <laughs> are going to just end for lots of them um and it's it's pretty big and i really like this movie i think the way they did it they did a great job it's definitely going to be in my top five i don't know exactly where this places on my list yet it's okay i mean that's what this is all about looking at what led up to the movies where they lead to and then just how we feel you know, going back into it. Um, again, like, this movie draws from everything that came before, good and bad. Like, you know, we constantly talk bad about Incredible Hulk and Thor The Dark World. Like, those are on the bottom of all of our lists. But this movie still does find a way to draw from those make and make them resonant. Like, there is stuff from those that does matter. For, for the betterment of those movies, they're still not the best, but you can look back at them kind of fondly. Like, mm-hmm. even just the scene with Thor going back to Asgard and running into his mom. Like, yeah, that's important. That's powerful for him. That's him still being worthy when he gets Mjolnir back. Um, I don't know if that moment would have stuck as much if I enjoyed Thor The Dark World more. Like, if I thought that was a better movie, I don't know if that moment would still hit the same way. I don't know. I think it would hit more and better. It's, like, now that I watch that scene again, I'm like, oh, are these directors just being like, we can make that, we can we can make that cool. You know what I mean? Like, well, that, also, they're trying to the, cool. This was written by... The screenwriter who did Thor The Dark oh. World still do. I mean, there's a lot of crossover in writers and directors for all these movies, but, you know, I, that might be some of it, like, I don't want to say saving face, but uh-huh. trying to, like, work out some of the kinks maybe they had. Again, like, ten years before trying to make a movie. Yeah. I, I don't The time heist definitely feels like a... Uh... A victory lap for Marvel Studios. It's 
bringing, like you said, Chris, it's bringing back the screenwriters just to rewrite some scenes. And it's the characters interacting with the, you know, uh, interacting, but it's the audience being like, oh man, that was a while ago. Look at how the Hulk has changed. Look at how much, you know, Captain America's changed, even though it's still America's ass. Like, it's like, uh, I don't, so it feels somehow this movie delivers all the fan service without feeling well, like fan service. Yeah. It's so weird. Like I'm sure you can point to a moment here or there where you're like, Oh, that's eye rolly cringy level of fan service, but it still works on a whole. It there's just those moments too, where like cap gets the scepter and he goes in and it's all the dudes that are hey. Hydra agents because they take that and then give it to Baron Struckoff uh-huh. to do his thing. So, of course, yeah, the Hydra agents would have that. And then he says, like, yeah, Hydra, and he, and he walks out with it. And it's like, oh, yeah, that that totally makes sense. Uh-huh. Like, yeah, no, okay, that works. I liked it and because then, it was... It felt like, you know, the Indiana Jones moment where the guy is there with a sword and he's spinning around and you're thinking it's going to be a huge fight scene and then Indiana Jones just pops him. It, because you're like, oh, they're going to redo the elevator scene again from... And that scene was awesome. It's going to be so good. And then it's just like, eh, no, he just walks out with it. I thought you were going to say you liked it because it led up to seeing Robert Redford again. Yeah, that too. Uh, but again, if you were in a Marvel movie before, you you got that call and it's like, hey, come on back. We're getting the band back together. Uh, it's This movie kind of breaks the format that I think we set up and kind of stuck to for the previous 21 episodes of this. Because, again, just going back through and talking about everything that happens in this movie feels reductive to it. Because we already talked about everything mm-hmm. in this movie in the previous 21 episodes of great Marvel movie retrospective. And it does all of it so well. And it's still just baffling to me that Marvel can make a movie that has like 30 superheroes and their supporting casts in it and still have it land and make sense. And nothing feels like cheap or rushed in it mm-hmm. when there's still so many I'm not even going to say like DC or like other superhero or comic book movies that struggle with just one character and having it land on the screen and be true. Like movies in general, like have a hard time doing that. Like a couple months ago, I watched the matrix resurrections and man, it's a train wreck. It's terrible. And that's like the fourth movie in a franchise and it fell apart at the seams. Like, I couldn't imagine watching 20 other Matrix movies and being like, yeah, they still got it. Like, Yeah, and and like, I listen to um, some different movie podcasts, and the one podcast I listen to, a couple of the guys on it are just anti-Marvel movies. Mm -hmm. They're just, everything's Everything's digital. Duh, duh, duh. I need real light shining on real things. You can't do that with ev- with everything being animated. And then you have that scene where 
Iron Man, Captain America, and Thor come down, and Thanos is sitting there, and there's the light in the background shining on him, reflecting off of his armor onto the side of his face. They show Downey, he turns his head, it reflects the same way there, and I'm like, I don't know, I'm in it, like... That looked like a man that is a big purple man that is sitting there with light shining on him. Like, I understand what you mean, but also I think you guys are like, they're just taking that stance to hate it, to hate it because certain directors have come out to say that these, it gives you the clout because you're like, Oh, it's not actual filmmaking. It's, it's cartoons, but a lot, I mean, those CG artists work very hard and it's no wonder when you see the end credits for these things, like, the digital artists just go on and on and on because it takes so many people to do all this stuff. And if you guys haven't checked out the YouTube channel, uh, corridor digital or corridor crew yeah. where they, it's like a special effects studio that sits down and they talk about CG and special effects in movie and just the intensive work in detail that goes into it. And they'll pick apart some of the bad ones and say mm-hmm. why it doesn't work. But then they'll also talk about the good stuff and how and why it works. And they'll have people on yeah. that did it. I think I saw uh, the one no. about them with them uh, for the mummy. Yeah, they did. The, 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 the Brendan Fraser classic. So oh, good. You talk about the mummy on there. Like, uh, just yeah. in general. <clears throat> and just to, to, to stay on like the, the point I was making is like there's certain cinematic directors who said that these aren't movies, but they are movies. Like their movies are meant to entertain you or move you in some way. And these movies do that. And it just seems like sour grapes that these movies do that. And they, the studio does that with these movies and they're making everybody money. Mm -hmm. And, um, what's his name was playing Morbius was asked about it. And again, it, Jared Leto, it sucks that he said this in an interview for Morbius that is going to suck. Uh, but he said, I don't, if a movie makes money, it makes money. It makes money for everybody who's going into a movie theater that owns that movie theater that works there. People are getting paid. People in the industry are getting paid. So who cares if somebody says this is or isn't cinema? It's financially helping everyone that's involved. Like, a movie makes money. A movie makes money. Who cares if it's yeah. a superhero movie or it's somebody who thinks it's high art? Like the high art movies are never going to make a billion dollars like Spider-Man did to help all of those movie theaters that have been struggling for the last two years just made mo- made made money to pay employees, to pay pay rent, to mm-hmm. pay for popcorn, like. You can say whatever you want, but these movies help economy. These movies help with sanity, too. I know a lot of people, same thing. It's like, oh, it's not cinema. It's just mindless action. And that's fine. Like, the world's a terrible place, and it's continuing <laughs> to be that way. I'm okay with the escapism of movies. Like, I don't need every movie to be super grim and gritty, like, mobster gangster flick. Like... That's fine. There's a time and place for that, but it's not today for me. And these are characters and these are stories that I love. And to just 
talk down about them is so reductive to what they're capable of doing. And I think you hit that nail on the head. And I think this movie does a great job of balancing the, hey, hard emotional, like we're saying goodbye to these characters that you spent 21 movies investing in. Over $200 of movies and tickets sold individually. You know, 10 bucks a pop, if you're lucky. Yeah. You know, that's uh, because what they start off and it's like, hey, we just lost. Let's go get that son of a gun. And then they lose again, like five minutes later. Yeah. And that's just the first 20 minutes of the movie. And then they're like, hey, everybody's really down. And then we get the, the, the bringer of hope, the Scott Lang. I mean, Paul I, Rudd. You know it's going to be Paul Rudd, though. Like, Comes out of thing. nowhere. Like, he just brings light to everywhere, everything he does. Because <laughs> even when he see the emotional moment that he has with Cassie, which could be really sad that he's lost those five years with her, they make sure that his character plays it. He's just happy to see her. You're so big. He's yeah, so big. He he's fighting back tears and fights it back tears by forcing himself to smile. You know, and I love that. And then then you get the emotional gut wrenching scene of Nat, like just like trying to keep everything together, and everybody's like, "No, an earthquake's just an earthquake." Sometimes, it's like, it's, but is it? Yeah, because that's because like, that's one of the notes that I have written down because. We now know that uh, Black Panther 2, entitled Wakanda Forever, is heavily rumored to be centering on their war with Atlanteans. And this is going to oh. be what introduces Namor to the mm. Marvel Cinematic Universe. So sometimes an underwater earthquake could just be an underwater earthquake. Or this could be something that we'll be seeing coming forward. And the fact that a lot of Wakanda Forever is being filmed in a... Gigantic water tanks? Mm-hmm. We'll see. Well, and also, like, you have that... If... You... Watching it again this time, and not just watching it <clears throat> as a viewer, but watching it to intake things to talk about. After... After Rhodey kind of lets her know that, like, Barton is out just... Mur- just straight up murdering criminals. She has a moment where she looks like she is about to break down. Mm-hmm. Oh, when she says, please, and, it's like she's, she's struggling to get that word out. And then kind of, and then kind of cap walks in and she puts on that, that mask again to, to hide those emotions for her. But like, that was something that I probably noticed, but, in previous watching, but this time I really took notice of of that where she's she's barely she's barely holding on. They 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 all really all these characters are just barely holding on. She's eating well though. She's got a peanut butter and jelly sandwich. Uh, she does it because Paul Rudd's about to eat it in like okay. five minutes. <laughs> but again, that kind of just goes to what you're saying though, Paul, where you can have those hard hitting moments and it's adding such depth and emotion to those characters, but then it does such a good job with balancing it because yeah, you have Scott laying on the verge of tears, but then he shows up at the Avengers compound and he's like, is this anyone's sandwich? Like it does such a good line of stepping back and forth over 
over those lines. I love him jumping around at the gate being like, I was wearing a mask. He might not re- uh, recognize me, but I'm Ant-Man. I know you know that. <laughs> like, uh, it's... I, I to kind of go back to what you were talking about, John, too, with like the conversation with like Captain America when Steve walks in and she's like, oh, well, someone has to do this. And he's like, why? Mm-hmm. Like, things things are getting better on their own. And I definitely understand where Tony's coming from during those conversations too. Cause like he says, like he's got his second chance. It's right here. He, he's had a new beginning and failure again would just be a bigger failure at that point. Well, because he could lose yeah. his family. If he, yeah. if he reverses and, snap. And him with his daughter, you can tell that, Everything that he used to put into being Iron Man and building suits and doing all that, he's now putting those things into, like, time with his daughter. And as as a, as a parent, like, I get home from work exhausted, and then my son says, do you want to play Gigan and Godzilla? And then I spend three hours just playing with my son and roughhousing with him. (laughs) Absolutely exhausted. I spent the entire day today playing with a child and there's nothing I would want to, there's nothing else I'd want to do besides put him to bed and then come and drink a bunch of beer (laughs) with my friends. Like, like you can, I, I relate even more now to watching him as the father in those scenes where you know, you do have those moments where you're like, just so you know, uh, the kid loves me to to, to uh, 3,000. You're maybe like a 900. You know? Yeah. You, you kind of have those feelings of... of uh, yeah. So, I, I, I can really... Re- I, I can really relate to Tony, Tony Stark and being a father. Like, you can. You can see that of what... What loss means to him, and what what he does in the end to sacrifice it all to save everything, to save his child's the rest of her life. I think that's all important too, because yes, we do have that big jump after they learn Thanos destroyed the stones, and there's no coming back from it. We get that five. Five years later, jump. And what's impressive is, like, within that five years, everybody has stepped up and found some sort of coping mechanism and has grown through it in one way or another. Like, Hulk's found a way to put the banner and the Hulk together. Best of both worlds, bam, he's got it. You know, Natasha's no longer working in the shadows as someone. She's leading, like, a global, like, not resistance, but global support team like everybody has intergalactic with uh intergalactic yeah captain marvel's there and now captain marvel's helping out other planets like everybody has kind of become the best versions of themselves in this so would it be viewed as any one of them as kind of like a regression to go bring everybody back and get things you know back to what normal was yeah five years ago and i mean even today, like, 
normal five years ago is a completely different life. Like this, <laughs> no, but like, honestly, like yeah, especially, no, especially right now, this, yeah. this week at my job, like we got the okay to no longer have to wear masks at work. Like you're still allowed to, if you want to, but I was like, okay, like I'm vaccinated. I have my boosters. Like I don't wear them when I just go to the movie theater or to the theme parks. Like I don't need to wear one at work. I'm, I'm okay. But literally being at work without, like the mask on, I was like, it felt weird. And there were parts during my first day on Monday where I was like, oh, I forgot to put it on after lunch. It's like, oh no, I don't need to wear it. Like, <laughs> and that's just like a weird, small, incremental change. Like, I can't imagine, you know, half the population being snapped away by alien overlords. Like, five years from now, like, I can't even imagine, like, coming back to what today is. Like it's bizarre. Uh, yeah, I, I do have to say, like, definitely, like, we just were able to stop wearing masks as well. And I have those moments where I'm walking into work and I'm like, "What am I forgetting?" <laughs> oh no, I don't need to. I don't yeah, need to wear it. It became the other thing I check for, like, okay, keys, wallet, <laughs> yeah. phone, mask. I like, gotta make sure I have the good mask because I had to wear like. Uh, my wife likes to take my would like to take my masks out of my cars and and wear them because she's a mess and can't find anything in her purse. So I never have like if I don't make sure I have the certain masks, uh, I would then like be forced to wear like an extra small one with oh. like foxes all over it that has lipstick inside. Or the one day I'm wearing a bluey fucking mask that's my son's and it's like again it's just stretched over my <laughs> big fat fucking melon. And, uh, but yeah, it's just like, yeah, those are things, it's crazy that those are things I had to worry about. Mm -hmm. Oh, if you're taking, if you're taking my car, can you throw my mask in the other car? Oh, can you do this? And I still have the moment where like, I'm leaving like the bathroom stall and I'm like, oh, I don't, I don't have a mask on. Cause I do, it's like one of those reprieves. I'm in the bathroom stall. I can take my mask off for a minute. Well, I've been wearing a mask because Kate's. Had a cold last week. And, you know, now I'm getting that cold, so I'm going to be wearing a mask. Just because, you know, colds aren't fun either, people. <laughs> like, no. Why would I want to give people a cold? Like, I do have to say, that first year of COVID, I didn't get, no. like, a single cold. No, not sick at all. Nobody else, nobody was coming out to bug me. <laughs> you know, it was great. I still just had really bad allergies. But yeah, I didn't. Yeah. I usually get sick, like, really bad once a year. Um, it's actually gotten worse since I moved down to Florida, which is, I mean, tourists, it just, it happens dealing with, like, a lot more of the public. Um, yeah. I mean, the first year, nothing, because I was stuck inside for, like, a quarter <laughs> of it. But, yeah, I will say. Um, Paul, I, I bought a four-pack of the next beer I'm going to talk about, and... Let's get together sometime this week so I can give you a can of this and I have that banner for you. Oh, nice. Yeah, thank you. Um, but yeah, this is good. And I think you'd enjoy it. Um, but Chris, so, what are you What are you drinking? Uh, well, I was going to have you introduce it, but I guess it's my turn to go first. Uh, well, I bought my beer, uh, my entire sampler pack, actually, based off the fact that John... I want to match the beers that you had spoken up saying you got. And one of the beers that you had was a cold IPA. And this was something that I hadn't heard of until a couple months ago. And I had my first cold IPA from uh, Sideward Brewing. 
But in the box of hearts from Bell's Brewing, we have Cold Hearted, which is their cold IPA. Um, and what separates a cold IPA from a regular IPA is the fact that it's done during a cold fermentation. So they're not heating up uh, the mash when, when they're... Oh, it's at the, it's at the at end. The end. Okay, so after it's been yep. heated in the mash. Yep, everything's the bo- been the boil, done. They ferment the boil. The, the ferment, yeah. Uh, so basically, cold IPAs are the rebranding of IPLs, Indian hmm. Pale Lagers. They're the exact same thing. I lo- see, and I like I like IPLs, and yeah. I think this uh, cold harder from Bell's is better than the sideward one that I had um, for their third anniversary. Sideward actually just put out another cold IPA, just with different hops from the first one that they had. But I'm I'm ready and willing to try it. Um, I'm very impressed by this, though. Uh. I am as well. Uh, I had this beer on draft. It was when I went to that beer dinner. I walked in. I met the rep. I met another person who's in the brewery, and they were like, "Oh, what do you what are you going to have?" And I was like, "Well, there's a couple things on the board, but I got to have the cold IPA." And he goes, "Well, before you have anything, let me show you the beers that are going with the dinner, so you don't double up. You can try something new." Cold IPA wasn't there. I had a glass of it at the brewery, and I was like, "Man, that's really good." So when we were leaving, they gave us like they gave us a four pack of four of the beers that four out of the five beers that we had with the dinner. So that's where I had the hydraulic, um, the hydraulic uh, pilsner. But I said to Caitlin, "Is like, I gotta get a four pack of that." And um, so I went over, I got it, and I put it up on the bar, and I cashed out for it. And one of the guys was like, what, are you just stealing beer? And I was like, no, I, I paid for it. He's like, I don't care. You could have just walked out with it. I, <laughs> nobody, nobody know anything. I was like, yeah, but I wouldn't. Yeah. I wouldn't support the brewery. You know, like, so um, it's just, it's really good. It's got a nice balance of that kind of lager, dry your mouth out with a nice, this has got like a nice kind of fruity hopness to it just really great drinking beer like this is a hot day beer and this is also part of their new uh small batch only released at the at the brewery um most of the stuff that they release gets released at the brewery and then you'll see it in stores this is uh just a small batch at the brewery they released this and I think a West Coast IPA and then they have something else coming out which is like number number three, this being number one in the small batch series. Um, but the next one they had coming out, I was like, mm, that sounds good. And I take a table pilsner. Hey. Three like a three and a half percent pilsner. Hey, I just had a table beer last week and really loved it. Yeah. Uh, I think what I do enjoy about this too is it it's kind of that flip of the IPA. Like it's very malt forward. And then you get that kind of nice hot bitter and like the middle back part of it, but it's not overwhelming. Like it works really well with that malt. And I think what scares a lot of people away from IPAs is just like, Oh, it's that initial, just like burst of hops on the front. Right. 
until you like just develop that palate for it, you're just like, ooh, just like assaulting my taste buds. But this, I think, would be a good stepping stone into IPAs if like you're afraid to try them. Um, it, besides like a milkshake IPA or like kind of more like tropical New England style where it's like a little bit fruitier hop. I think this yeah. is a good bridge if you're used to drinking like a lager like, and you kind of want to like start branching out. Like use that as the stepping stone because I don't know if yours is hitting that same note. I mean, again, we're drinking two very different beers two, from two, two different, very different yeah. breweries. But and, when and you were talking this, about like <laughs> yours, I'm like, <laughs> I kind of have that too. Yeah. Um, so, like, on the back of this, it says brewed with Italian Pilsner malt, flaked rice, lager yeast, Mandera, Bavaria, and Pacific hops, a crisp, clean IPA fermented with lager yeast at L temperature. Mm. Um, and, yeah, it's just there's something so smooth and easy drinking about this, like, Cold IPAs, I really, really want to catch on because I just want to, like, I really like drinking this. All right, so since you're the beer guy, uh, what's the difference between a lager temperature and an ale temperature? Like, so lager temperatures are going to be, are going to be that cold, like a cold fermented. So lagers, um, lagers, which are going to be your, obviously, your lager, your Kolsch, your Pilsner, your uh, Box, your Hefeweizens, um, are all going to be, like, done cold. So, like, the longer you leave your Hefeweizen to kind of ferment a little bit warm the more bubblegum banana taste you're going to get out of it. And then kind of when you put it in the cold, that yeast kind of dies. And that's when you're going to, that's where it's going to stay. Because uh, not, not, I, I asked him, I'm appreciating your answer. That Hefeweizen that I had the other day that I sent to you guys, it's, it's, it's such a good, like that bubblegum <laughs> sweet on it. Oh my. Yeah. Like that's one of those ones. Like if next time you guys come down, if we can find that somewhere close by, I'm like, Oh, like, just just take one with you. Like it was delicious. And then lager beers are gonna bottom from they bottom ferment because the heat isn't gonna keep them up towards the top and the um ales top ferment. And what always makes me remember is like you remember like when we went Chris, you might not remember, but when we went to Omegang Brewery and we walked by and you could like look in that they had that glass window you could look in and you saw like a big square vat bubbling with all that um, bubbles on the top of it. Do you guys remember that? I vaguely remember that. Um, I wasn't drunk. I was... Uh, Chris I was had like pass a, out. yeah, you were dehydrated or something yeah. like you were like dehydrated and it was so humid it was, in there it really that it uh, it just like yeah, Chris. Yeah. I think you like almost passed out twice, um, but that's that kind of like top from like that's yeah. always how I remember ales are top fermenting because of those bubbles on the top. Thank you for the science. Yeah, Paul, what you got? Uh, I have the White Oak High Lie in the Indian Pale Ale from uh, Cigar City, and this one, you know what? 
I was afraid to, uh, you know, White Oak. I know you said, John, we had it before. Uh, I don't really remember it. But the White Oak here in these cans, in this pack, man, it just, like, that oakness just kind of, like, takes away the bitter edge. It just kind of smooths it out with a little bit of a vanilla kind of um, just sweetness. Not It's not a sweet beer, but, you know, it kind of helps balance it all out. It's uh, It makes it a very rich and smooth uh, pro, uh, flavor pro- profile. So, uh, I, you know, I'm, I'm pleasantly surprised by how much I've been enjoying the White Oak Highlight. Uh, 2018, January 21st, Ooh. Paul. 2018. On draft at the brewery. Ah. That's what I was going to ask. Is like, is that one of the ones that we had when, like, we came down? That's good. Because I thought it was the the last time, like, when we had the brewery tour, but... So they've been brewing this for a while, huh? Yeah. I've, yeah. I've only checked into had, it once. Yeah, you had a can on 22, 2019. Uh, so and my, my friend Keith uh, commented on it. I plan on drinking a dozen of these in a week because he was coming down here. Nice. We went to Disney. So my power ranking for this variety pack, you guys are ready? Ooh. Oh, I'm ready. It's uh, definitely going to be the pineapple tang- uh, tangerine. And then the uh, white oak highlight, regular highlight, and then the high-low. Yeah. High-low. It, it is what it is. Can you... Can you do that list again, Paul? I'm sorry. It's I was... uh, Pineapple Tangerine. Okay. Then White Oak. Mm-hmm. Then Classic Highlight. And then, and then the low, High Low. The high Low. Yeah. I, I would imagine, for the most part, that would probably be my my rating mm. of those two. Because, the... I mean, you the Pineapple is just going to kind of elevate a regular Highlight. And the same thing with the White uh-huh. Oak. It... it Totally changes the body of that of that beer. That is honestly the order that I probably would have drank them in if I was to have gotten that sampler back. Because <laughs> I'm excited for that pineapple one. I've had the white oak. Love it. I can just get high high whenever. So, yeah, it's a good drinkable beer. I'm not super excited about the high-low. I, I do have to say, Chris, you get better high lie than we do. Mm. Your highlight does taste better. And that was one of the things that we talked about when we were at the brewery with, like, the head brewer, Neil, there, where it was like, hey, oh, you have satellite breweries, and everybody's kind of served by a different, like, regional brewery. And the ones that you guys are getting are coming from, what, like, Colorado or something? I think Colorado, yeah. It's, like, just bizarre. So I'm getting it, like, straight from the source. So, again, like, different variances in water, like, in the pH of it, so... And their 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 yeast and malts are all going to be just slightly slightly different. Um, but yeah, it's 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 interesting. When he said that, I was like, okay, it does make sense. When certain there's certain times that people say like it doesn't taste like at the brewery, and he even told us like we get it as approximately as close as we can, but know that it's not the same thing. And you can, you can, like, in something like that, after I heard that, you can really tell that there is just something about drinking a highlight in Florida that just, uh, it, 
It's better. It really is. So I'll commit to this now. Next time I come up to Buffalo, we will do a side-by-side taste test. I'll bring a, <laughs> a six of my high ally. You can get a six of yours. And blind taste test. Just A and B. See which ones we like more. I was reading the yeah. can just to see if, like, it actually said anything about, like, where it was actually, like, canned in. And it just says... um Brewed and canned by Cigar City uh, Brewing Limited uh, Liability Corporation, Tampa, Florida. That doesn't mean that it was actually canned there. there. It there was will just probably be some sort of indicator within like the UPCs or something mm. like some sort of um, code on the can, like that's stamped on there, kind of like on a dollar facility. bill where you can find out what mint it came or what Federal yeah. Reserve the dollar came from. Yeah. I just remember I had a buddy, a buddy of mine lives in Colorado, and he was like, oh, I heard you guys talking about Highlight, like, I got one, and I was like, you're drinking one in Colorado? I was like, what's, like, what's the date on it? And he was like, oh, it was canned, like, it's canned, like, three weeks ago, and I was like, three weeks ago? And then I'm like, Canarchy, because that's what they're part of. Oh, he's he's they brewed it in at Oscar Blues in Colorado. Like they're part of Canarchy. Like, oh yeah, you probably are getting fresh high life from from Canarchy, from from Oscar Blues. Oscar Blues. Nice. Beer's crazy, man. I know, but man, I love this beer. Um, if you can it's find fantastic. the box of hearts, maybe get it if you're okay with having a like locale, like the lighthearted just in like the back of your fridge for something. Uh, Is that in cans I, or in bottles? It's bottles. Oh, Chris, I, not I do, do have the ability to just open up a box and take I, it. I know, but... Take some home. <laughs> so I don't have I'm to get saying, that... don't defraud... I don't have to get that low Don't beer. defraud the company. <laughs> I, I've already I paid for it. <laughs> it's fine. I've paid for it. It's coming out of a budget. I've already paid for it. Uh, it's whether or not I make my money off. Um, but it's the it's cult. under twenty. It's under twenty dollars for a twelve pack, so I can put it through my craft drone and still make money. So how much is the twelve pack there? Because the one here was twenty three ninety nine. And again, I'm in Florida. It's much further away, and it's on like the fringe of the the distribu- uh, distribution footprint. I believe it's twenty nine nine, and I have, I, everything that goes into my crafter own is supposed to be, like ten fifty a six pack, or twenty ninety nine for a twelve pack, but I have a twelve percent wiggle room, mm-hmm. and I also put a lot of cheaper beer in there that sells like. I have a huge German beer community that buys German beers there. So I have like $7 four packs of German beers or the five ninety nine to seven ninety nine that I put in my craft around that people buy all the time. And so you got slush so I, funds. Yeah. Got slush funds. Uh, got slush funds, uh, baby. Yeah, okay. With a wink. They finally learned not Definitely. to put all the Oma gang stuff in there. <laughs> Yeah, definitely grumbling. <laughs> the only time I put those in there is when I'm trying to get rid of it. We'll say, like, when I saw it was twenty three ninety nine, I was like, okay, that's still only like two dollars a beer. Like, that's that's a fine price, even for something like the um, lighthearted. 
I'd be okay with spending two bucks for one of those at a bar. Like, I would rather have that than like a Pabst or something like that. I I got a, a text from like one of my regulars that said at a at a place my wife just paid $9 for this sour beer. Do you have it? Can I tell her not to get a second one and I'll buy her a four pack? <laughs> and I was like, "Yeah, <laughs> yes. It's 16.99 for a four pack." And he's like, "Okay, I'll be in tomorrow." <laughs> I'm like, "All right." Yeah. What a what a good husband. Love beer. That's yeah. That's like that's a Steve Rogers dancing with Peggy Carter kind of move right there. That's that's what that is. So I have notes. Guys. Oh, okay. Even though, hey. even though there's things that like we don't need to talk about all this, I still took some notes, and I think some of the things that are worth talking about are some of the nods that we got in this. And again, it's yeah, everything in this movie comes from something else. But I think it's more the stuff like hey, at the beginning when. Steve Rogers is leading the support group for Snap Survivors. Uh-huh. Uh, not just co-director Joe Russo being in there, but creator Thanos, Jim Starlin, is one of the people that's in there as well. So, oh, cool. you know, yeah. a little bit of a nod to the people that have still led into this. Um, we still get our Stanley cameo, and this is actually going to be the last... Stanley cameo uh, when they jump to 1970s to steal the Tesseract and the Pym Particles from Camp Lehigh. Uh, Stanley appearing as a hippie driving past. I'm pretty sure he's uh, what, Funky Flashman? What is yeah, he? that was Funky Flashman. <laughs> uh, as with other movies from uh, Anthony and Joe Russo, they have cameos from people that they work with on community in here. Uh, this one does have two because we get Ken Jong and then we get Nicola Vett Brown. Uh, Ken Jong appearing as the security guard at the storage facility where Scott Lang's van is being held. And then Nicola Vett Brown as like a shield agent in the elevator who pseudo recognizes Steve Rogers uh, and knows something's up. And At the past, security. in the uh, the seventies, mm-hmm. shield. Yes. Yeah. Um, we already talked about the underwater volcano. Uh, I'm going to do a little mini section called "Hey, don't worry, you'll find out find out about it in a Disney <laughs> Plus show," um, because we do see the repercussions of Clint kind of going off the deep end and killing gangsters in Hawkeye because there is fallout from that. Uh, we also do see what happens with Wanda and Vision in the show WandaVision, like the very first Disney plus Marvel show that just like really na- nailed like, hey, you want to see the continuing stories of these characters? Like, check this out because she's only in like the last third of this movie because I didn't realize it on any of my other rewatches. The last like 45 minutes of this movie are all climax. Like... It starts early and then it just keeps going. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, I'm still working and waiting for uh, because we talked about WandaVision. We get a little bit of a teenage Cassie here. 
mm-hmm. which started the rumors for a Young Justice, or not Young Justice, Young, young Avengers, Avengers, thank you, uh, wrong, uh, and yet it's been three years, no real talk about, but there's, uh, no, they, they, they keep hinting, teasing more and more still characters. introducing those characters, and don't forget, like, we had, uh, Mahershala Ali cast and announced as Blade, like, three years ago at San Diego yeah. Comic-Con. Actually, no, it was like four years ago now. And so far, we've only had the appearance of him in the post-credit scene of Eternals as a voiceover. Like, right. they they see stuff. It's going to take them a minute. And they're yeah. introducing, like, all these characters. I'm just saying, it, it took, yeah. what, five years for them to introduce Iron Man, the Hulk, Captain America, and Thor? I don't think it was three that. years. Huh. It was probably like two to three. Yeah, yeah. Well, you got to think too. Iron Man two had already come out before we got Captain America right. and Thor. They all came out after Captain America, after Iron Man two, and after Incredible Hulk. Let's not forget about. It. Well, yeah. Well, it was Iron Man, Incredible Hulk in the yeah, same and then year. Thor, and then Iron Man two. And then two, and then they started those other two. Yeah, Thor and then Captain America. Yeah, and they introduced Black Widow in Iron Man 2. And they introduced Hawkeye in Thor. Thor. But And now they know there is a market for this, so they can take their time. Like, they don't have to oh, okay. have, like, someone just throwing in there, because they know they have the watcher for that long haul. Like, people will be excited and check back. I mean, even now, like, Moon Knight just debuted today. Um, I haven't had a chance to watch it yet, John. You did. You had some good things to say about it. But it was even announced last week, and we talked about it in The Week in Geek, where, like, the writer of Moon Knight has been contracted by Marvel to do a pitch for Nova. We had the Nova Corps introduced in, like, 2014, in Guardians of the Galaxy Volume One, like they they can have that slow burn, like because they know they can take their time with stuff now. And also, everything got pushed yeah. back because of because of COVID. True, true. Their whole lineup of everything got shifted. You know, Falcon and Winter Soldier shut down. Falcon and Winter Soldier was supposed to come out bef- the first uh-huh. one. Then it was going to be WandaVision. Then it was going to be um, Loki. And they ended up finishing WandaVision before. So they put that out first. Then they put out, like, everything got screwed up because of COVID. That's a year, like a year that everything got shifted back. Eternals was supposed to come out in what, like 2020? And it came out in 2021? Yeah, but everything you just listed there. Is also leading us over to that Disney Plus because in the scene with them going back to Avengers in 2012, uh, we get the alternate Loki escaping with the Tesseract, which will lead into the Loki show. Uh, and then at the very end of the movie, we have Old Cap passing off the shield to Sam Wilson, which is going to lead us into the Falcon and the Winter Soldier. This does more for setting up like the Disney Plus universe. And I don't have the dates of announcements and release and everything in front of me, but I feel like at that time we didn't know 
Disney Plus was really coming. I think it was the next San Diego Comic-Con that they announced, like, hey, and get ready for all of this stuff coming out. Right. But again, my timing might be off on that. But I feel like when all this was being seeded, we didn't know yet that we were going to have a direct-to-streaming platform that was going to continue on with these stories. John's doing some looking up, so thank you for that. Uh, also, a thing I had forgotten until I caught it in the movie, um, Tony took the shield from Cap at the end of Civil War, and he doesn't mm-hmm. get it back until he's kind of like, yeah, I solved time travel. Here, hold on to this. you got to keep my kid away from it. Uh, that, and that's important because, yes, yeah, Steve didn't have his shield, even through Infinity War. Like That was kind of like one of the call-out lines from the movie. Get yeah. this man a shield. Uh and there's something about just seeing Steve walk around with that shield again when they're doing the time heist. It, it just feels right. Um, when did this movie come out again? 2019? 2019. 2019. In the summer. In the okay. summer. So Mandalorian came out in November of 2019. So we would okay. have known about... These things, I think, yeah. they were probably teased after so they, this movie they had come out had to say these these are the shows because we were supposed to get in 2020 all of our Marvel shows. We were supposed to get Black Widow, uh, Black Widow. We were supposed to get all those that all got pushed back till 2021. So. So I just did some quick Google to um, Avengers Endgame was released April 26th, 2019. They announced WandaVision April 11th, 2019 during Disney's Investors Day. So like two weeks before they announced. So yeah, they definitely had stuff like in plans and and working. So yeah, they definitely see the stuff into this. So good for them. Um also, something else that they kind of tease, and we'll probably find out more about whenever we wind up getting Thor, Love and Thunder, uh, the Asgardians have set up shop on Earth, and they're just living in that town where they found Old Man Odin just sitting there like, man, this could be Asgard. And you're like, you're crazy drunk, old man. Let's go home. No, they just did that. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And he, yeah. I, the dude version of Thor, the the broken mm-hmm. the broken version of Thor is great in this, and the fact that like <clears throat> they were able to keep that kind of hidden, yeah. mm-hmm. and also like I guess like when he was supposed when Chris Helmsworth was supposed to come back and start, they were going to show him like losing the weight. Mm-hmm. And Chris Hemsworth was like, "No, he's got it. He's going to be fat the whole time." Mm-hmm. My my character wouldn't. He's he hasn't hit that point uh-huh. to get back in shape, and that's even why he's like bulky when he turns into gets his Thor yeah. armor and everything. He looks like uh, what's the guy from the first Thor? The Heimdall? one that likes the not I'm not Heimdall. Uh, oh, I know one of the Warriors uh, three. Yeah, uh, the, the, uh, the Volstagg. Yeah, you know, especially with the beard, you know, the braided beard and everything. I'm like, oh, 
I'm getting some Volstagg vibes from this guy. Uh, no, the Warriors 3. He Nobody said he was out of shape. Yeah. Volstagg, you know? He was just out there just, doing him. I d- he just loved the, he loved the party. I do like all the jokes. Like, you know what's in my veins? Cheese whiz. Thunder. <laughs> like, um, I, I, again, it's, it's played for laughs, and, but that's, his coping mechanism is just sitting there eating, drinking, and playing video games with his best friends because, hey, surprise, Meek and Korg are still alive. They're just hanging out with Thor playing Fortnite. Like, I, I like that confirmation that everything is okay. Because, um, you know, you love those characters, and we're definitely going to get more of them in Thor Love and Thunder. Yeah. And I'm looking... I, I am... I am looking forward to Thor Love and Thunder. I think out of everything that's been announced and we've gotten, this is the one that I'm like... I'm really looking forward to because I it's a it's a storyline. They're bringing in a character from a storyline that got me into Thor, uh, but also just like Ragnarok is in my top. It's in my top Marvel movie. Yeah. So you have those guys coming back again. I think it's gonna. I really looking forward to it. So we're talking about Endgame, like it is the end game of the MCU, but we still have plenty of stuff coming forward, especially with the next one. So for part 23, it would be Spider-Man Far From Home, which really does kind of close out this chapter because it does deal with the fallout from Endgame. Like, it's very much like the epilogue. So, you know, stay tuned for that one. But guys... We've talked about it a lot. Paul, you weren't sure where you were going to be putting it. Oh, John so, wasn't sure. He was thinking he's like somewhere in his top five, but he's not sure. But Chris, you should go first, so that way it's easier to for us to type it all in. Uh, our spreadsheet here. It, um, this, this is this is easy for me, and okay. my thoughts on this movie have not changed since I first saw it, because it does draw so much from everything that came before. This is my number one. Like, what? If the world's about to end in two and a half hours, and I'm like, oh, I can't do anything. I might as well watch a movie. I'm going to put on Endgame. Huh. It's, it's easy. Like That's that's my pick. I've I've made a decision. Paul, do you need to uh, go? Or? I'm fine. Uh, I can go. I, I made a decision. It is going to go... So it's uh, Winter Soldier... Age of Ultron, Civil War. You're saying these things and then I'm like, Endgame. What? That's where they're, it's number four. It's right above uh, Ragnarok and then Infinity War. I was like, do I put it right after Ragnarok? Because, you know what? I am. I am. I'm, you're I'm gonna put you're it right. Ultron in this yeah, number I'm surprised Ultron is that blowing high. my yeah. mind. I, I know we've probably talked about this before, but I didn't realize that was your number scene. Yeah, I, I like that one quite a bit. Like, it's I think it's the most Avengers comic, you know, it's what I would want from an Avengers comic book team up. And you see the seams, like, starting, but the team doesn't fall fall apart. It's They come together. Uh, then the very next movie, 
or not the very next movie, but the next movie on my list is Civil War, where they do fall apart. But it's a <laughs> great Captain America story. Um, uh, and I'm going to go number two, because you can't have this one without Infinity War. So Infinity War 1, this number two, then Ragnarok, then Winter Soldier, then Civil War. Uh... Yeah, like it's it just makes it just makes sense in that order. Um, this is that one too where all the, like you'll like on Instagram they have the reels and like sometimes somebody will put up like just snippets of that that end mm-hmm. battle and stuff and I always stop and watch those and then I go. I can just YouTube this scene, right? And then I YouTube more of the scene than just the snippet that they gave me because it's like, yeah, Cap having that fight where he gets the hammer, mm-hmm. it's, and he, it's just fucking great. And they finally say it. They they, they teased mm-hmm. it so many times, but they finally say, Avengers, assemble. Even just the moments yeah. where, like, uh, T'Challa's running with the, uh, the gauntlet and he's being overtaken and he hands it off to to Clint. Before we Clint. before we had it like where Hawkeye's introducing himself to T'Challa and he's just like, I don't care. Clink clink Claws come on. It's like, oh he he does care. Like there's so much great stuff in this. And even though like that battle scene is like broken up and they have those character moments because at that point you do have we didn't even talk about like the Gamora stuff where like we have the 2014 version of Gore Gamora meeting like the current day version of Peter Quill. And like, she's talking to that. I was like, really? this guy that sets up some probably really fun stuff for uh, guardians of the galaxy uh, volume three, which we'll be getting in like, I think a year and uh, didn't talk about it for the news, but Jeff uh, Gunn was like, Josh Gunn. Jeff? Josh? Who are you saying? A James. James. He was a James. Sean Gunn. That's his brother. This is his brother. Uh, James Gunn was just like, yeah, there's a lot of heartbreak in Volume 3. I'm ready for that now. Like, I've been prepared. I've watched Endgame. I've been tempered to this. Um, man, I, I love these movies. And I am not afraid to say that. And the fact that everybody else loves them too proves that, yeah, the studios are doing something right with this. I just love that, like, so the Russo brothers directing credits, five episodes, like, just five (laughs) episodes of Arrested Development, two episodes of What About Brian? I don't know what that is. You, Me, and Dupree. A show called Car Fuckers. It's a four. It's like it's got a seven point one rating. It's four minutes long. Carpoolers. Uh, three episodes of that. Which act? I I feel like Carpoolers was the uh, edited version of Car Fuckers. Could have been. Uh, but it was actually kind of a Carpoolers was kind of a fun. Uh, it was Scott Thompson, Jerry O'Connell, T.J. Miller before uh, people hated him. And they were like they all worked together, but they the show only revolved basically around like 
their car rides to and from work and their lives at like what they were bitching about kind of a thing. It was a fun show. Uh, Running Wild, one episode of that with Will Arnett. Happy Endings, Community, 14 episodes of that. Animal Practice, which was another short-lived comedy. And then Captain America Winter Soldier. Like, how the hell did they go from, like, crappy comedies that all got canceled to Winter Soldier? And then it's Winter Soldier, Coca-Cola, a mini Marvel, one-minute episode, Civil War, Infinity War, Avengers Endgame, and then uh, the Cherry that they did with um, Tom Holland. It's just, it's like so kind of just baffling that it's like, oh yeah, the, <laughs> like that paintball episode of Community, though, like that's that's probably what escalated them. All right. Well, people, if you like us listing movies, either you know starring <laughs> Bruce, uh, Willis. Bruce Willis or being that's directed by the Russo brothers, or or uh, being produced by. Uh, Marvel Studios, uh, please let us know. Email us at bagdeboardcast at gmail.com. Guys, if uh, you want us to go through and listen to the entire Return of Bruno album from Bruce Willis and do a retrospective on the song, I'd rather do a know, retrospective like, of uh, Bruno the cartoon where he was a secret agent kid. I don't even know oh, that. I used to watch that. Loved it. 